Trick or treat. Smell my feet. Give me something good to eat. You know what that means, Kim? Uh, I do know what that means, but should we introduce ourselves first? Yeah, go ahead. Welcome to another edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim, and across the table from me is a very excited husband, Steve. Yep. Hello. Uh, And this used to be, still is, one of my favorite times of the year, trick or treat night. We are talking about Halloween today on our final Spooky October episode. Just because you grow up and the kids aren't trick-or-treating anymore doesn't mean there's no tricks or treats out there for you. Oh, there's all kinds of grown-up trick-or-treating going on. Oh, yeah. Um, But before we... We're going to do things maybe a little bit backwards today. Uh, Before we launch into this week's episode, I do want to, uh, first of all, thank everyone um, for all of the downloads this week. We have really, uh, our numbers have jumped big time. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Yeah, right. Um, I also want to give a shout out to some of our new international listeners. Who did you say we added this week? Okay, so this week we now have listeners in Canada, which is international. Um, Ireland. Ah. Germany. I think we had Germany already. Germany, Spain, Australia, and Mexico. So really, I'm 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 just curious. And that's part of the fun why we do this. If you are listening to us in one of those countries out there, just shoot us an email at a lost hour at gmail.com because we would really we are just really curious as to how you found us. And, and, and where, yeah. where and in the country? Yeah, where in the country you are, and can we come stay with you and, on vacation? Yeah, can we come stay and visit with you on vacation? <laughs> and of course, you're welcome to come here. Absolutely, to, we have an extra and, and stay with us. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so. so I also have a couple of um, just spooky October update things uh, that I wanted to share. We've had a couple of listeners um, chime in on a couple of different stories um, that I kind of wanted to share on the air. The first one, uh, I was extremely flattered that um, this lady wrote to us. She, I'm not going to use her name uh, because she has only told this story to her husband, like nobody else. Okay, so don't mention the city, state, no, or country. No, <laughs> no. She has only told this story to her husband and no one else. Um, so we are very flattered that she chose to share it with us. And did she give you I, permission? I did. I did get her permission. Okay. I said, if we redact your name, can we use it? And she said, yes. So I'm going to read you her message in its entirety. Does she know she can call in and I can disguise her voice? I don't know, but uh, she does now because she okay. is a faithful listener. She listens every week. Um, so it's regarding actually last week's episode on aliens. Um, she actually has several encounters, which I thought was was just fascinating. But uh, she says it was uh, August. Um, I'm not going to give the year because that will also kind of help date her a little bit. Uh, it was August and her parents, two younger brothers... And she lived on this uh, specific street. Um, It was her 13th birthday. She had five of her girlfriends over for spaghetti. We were going to sleep out on the sun porch. It was attached to the back of the house. um, And then there was a big lawn. The room had huge windows with screens. And although they were rolled down shades, they were never used. Uh, We finally got in our sleeping bags around 11.30 p.m., and talked and laughed. I don't know what, what the time was, but I know the chatter was very minimal, so I suspect we were falling asleep. Then, as I was lying there, flanked by a friend on each side, I looked out the window over our back lawn. There was a round object with flashy lights moving along so closely, I swear my brother could have hit it by throwing a ball. Um, 
My mistake was to point at the thing and say, hey, look, I don't know if anyone did, but the horror of watching this thing stop and then come around to one side of the sun porch and slowly look in at each of us is still alive in me. I could not move at all. I wanted to turn over and not look at it, but I couldn't move. I left after it could no longer, or it left after I could no longer, or sorry, let me try that again. It left after it could no longer see in because our garage impeded its view. So I don't know if I actually spoke out loud or not. I don't remember, and I don't think we ever discussed this after my party. I've never asked up to this day any of the ladies I'm still friends with about that event. I've had nightmares off and on over these years about aliens coming to get me. I have no direct visibility of me from any window when I sleep. It sounds so innocent in rereading it, but it was pure terror to a 13-year-old. Um, and then another uh, more recent time, uh, a couple of years ago, she and her husband were going out to dinner. Um, it was this time of year, around 5 p.m. Um, they live in a spacious cul-de-sac and had just stepped out the front door. Uh, she looked up at the sky, and there were quite a few clouds, but it was a bright late afternoon. Up over across the street, neighbor's house were clouds and a silver object I immediately recognized as not fitting into that picture. I literally stopped walking to my car. Husband kept walking, and I watched. It was just there, not moving. I pointed my finger towards it and told him to look, and as I, and I watched as it warped sped ahead to go behind a cloud, by the time he saw the spot I was pointing, he never saw it. Um, she said, I swear it heard me like when I was 13. And then there was another one. Uh, she was at a concert, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was at a concert. Um, and she, there were chairs. It, outdoor concert had chairs on the ground. There must have been over a thousand or more people. Um and she heard a guy behind her say, whoa, look at that. And she just calmly turned her head around, and she and he seemed to be the only ones looking at what were two green blinking UFOs hovering 100 feet above them, sitting there and watching them. Okay. So to help protect the identity, yeah. that could have been a translation from any language. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I and mean, we do it have, was written and, to me in English, but... Okay. But we there are have, lots we have, of people that are bilingual. Yeah, so. and we have, well, Ireland and Australia. Okay. So anyway, and we have listeners in 31 different states right now. Yeah. So. so uh, and you know what? You, you listen to stuff like that, and that's what makes what we're doing fun, to, to hear the people write back and get that response from people, to hear these stories and stuff like that. It, I think it's cool. Um, the other one that I'm going to try to read quickly is, um, you can, and you can find a little bit about this on you, if you go on our Facebook page, our buddy Mitch um, lives in Pennsylvania and uh, wrote to us after the Urban Legends episode and said, have you guys heard of the White Lady of Pond Bank? Uh, so I just wanted to tell this story real quick. Um, she's well known in local lore. The details of the legend are fuzzy and debated, but the main story is crystal clear. Man kills girl, mom searches unsuccessfully for body, finally dies filled with pain, then returns to the, from the grave. Um, so the story begins in the early to mid-1800s when the white lady and her daughter were said to have lived where the Durand Eastman Park now stands. I'm not sure what city that's in in Pennsylvania, but the mother was abused by her husband. He eventually split the scene, leaving her to raise her daughter alone. 
Um, It also gave her quite the attitude regarding men, which carried over in her relationship with her daughter and into the afterlife. At this point, the tale diverges a bit. One version said the teen daughter had a boyfriend that the mom disapproved of. Another claims that a neighboring farmer had been making lustful eyes at her. Like this never happens. The the girl left the house one evening to take a walk on the beach. Um, Either way, she never returned, perhaps killed by her lover after a spat or raped and murdered by the jilted local, depending on which version you hear. The distraught mom reported her missing child to the locals who did nothing about her claim, although her report is still supposedly on file. The white lady took to searching the shoreline by herself day after day, accompanied by her two albino German shepherds, but they had no luck in discovering the girl's body. Finally, overwhelmed by her grief, the mother threw herself off a cliff into Lake Ontario, or perhaps a bridge into Durand Lake. Other versions say she lived to be an old lady and died a natural death. Her dogs pined away for their mistress and shortly joined her in death. A sad story indeed, and it's just beginning. Legend relates that the white lady and her two dogs rise from the foggy mists of the lake at night, and together they roam through Durand Eastman Park, still searching for her missing daughter or any other woman in trouble. Uh, And supposedly she is very hateful towards males and pounces on men relentlessly seeking vengeance against the guys visiting the park for her daughter, especially when they're with a girl. She actively seeks out men, supposedly searching vehicles for necking couples. So Hmm. watch out. She'll get you if you're all right. Thanks for. So yeah, those are our two. Send that in to us, Mitch. Yep. All Uh, right. So, all right. So Halloween trick or treat. Okay. All right, so I'm going to start this this week uh, with a history of Halloween, and and when I say history, I mean like literal ancient history. This is Halloween is a very 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 old holiday. Yeah, and then I'll move on into more contemporary. Contemporary in America. So we are going to start with. Um, I'm actually going to start with a lot of P- Christians don't celebrate Halloween, and they think that it's bad and evil, but it actually. Uh, the Catholics celebrated it way back in the day. Uh, and so I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit. Uh, for those of you who are not Catholic listeners and don't know, there is a, a holiday season sort of thing called All Hallowtide. It begins on October 31st with All Saints Day, uh, which ends on November 1st, and then goes into All Souls Day on November 2nd. And so those two holidays are called All Hallowtide. All uh, All Saints Day recognizes all saints, even the unknown saints. Um, And then on All Souls Day, it's followed by a recognition of departed relatives. So we'll get back to the Catholics. What's the holiday they celebrate in Mexico? Is it similar to this? Day of the Dead, yep. Okay. It's basically All Souls Day. Okay. Uh, So. Just trying to stay on track here. Dia de los Muertos is coming up. So, or our listener in Mexico. Absolutely. So we are going, we'll get back to the Catholics, but first we're going to go to old Ireland and Samhain, which some of you have heard, some of you have read. It's spelled S-A-M-H-I-A-I-N. It's not pronounced Samhain. It's pronounced Samhain. Oh, that's how I pronounced it when I read it. <laughs> Samhain, not Samhain. Uh, it's actually an old Irish word for summer's end, and it's the first of four quarter days in the Gaelic calendar. Uh, those days are close to solstices and equinoxes. Pagans, like even modern pagans, still celebrate them um, because they are, I, I mean, it's, you know, paganism is an earth religion, and so these are significant dates in the in the pagan calendar. 
you look like you want to say something. Oh, yeah, because you're saying Celtics, which makes me think of Irish music, which I really like, which because, as we learned in our bluegrass episode, is one of the forefathers of bluegrass music. It all comes together. It all comes together. All right, so... At Halloween. The, these four quarter days in the Gaelic calendar were very important times of the year. Um, it's when servants were hired, uh, educational terms were beginning, or um, like the beginning and the end of an educational term. People paid rent then. So basically, they were, they were very significant dates. Um, and... Uh, Samhain was also the end of the harvest and the beginning of the darker half of the year. Darker, literally darker, like where there's not as much sunlight. Oh, and you know I want to do a whole episode on the time change. Oh, we're getting there. We'll get there. Don't worry. Not today, but yes, we are. That might be actually next week's episode. Uh, But Samhain was also believed that the boundary between this world... I hope the governor of Ohio is listening to that episode. I and here's my passionate plea. We hold your hold your. I know you're so passionate about the time change, but just wait, wait, sweet. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Irish uh, religion and Irish religious beliefs because uh, Samhain was also the the time of the year when the boundary between this world and the other world was the thinnest. Now, the other world is all of the things that we can't see, all of the sort of mystical creatures that we can't see but that exist. They include fairies, um, which are actually not like what you would think of as fairies. They're not, fairies are not necessarily good people in Ireland. They're actually creatures that cause a lot of mischief and damage and can sort of wreak havoc on your house if they are uh, not treated well. But the other world, fairies are not the only creatures that live in the other world. There are um, all kinds of different different creatures that if we're not going to get into it today, but you can Google it if you're really interested. You know Th- that with what you're saying right there, it kind of ties in with all the, what I'm going to start talking about, mischief in devil's night oh it like does that. oh yeah, and we're yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so and go, yeah, go, gonna, go ahead it it's actually just, happened way before like this happened in ireland too so not like they were doing in detroit uh, no um so also at, at Samhain, offerings of peace were made to the fairies the other worldly creatures um the dead also lived in the other world and during Samhain, the dead were welcomed home for one night Games and rituals took place, including cleansing and divination. There were ritualistic fires that were um, built, sort of like the big bonfire that we had last night, actually. And the dressing up uh, that is associated with Halloween actually began in Ireland and Scotland around the 16th century. And people would go house to house dressed as the creatures of the other world or as the dead. And they did it for several reasons. One was for protection against the spirits that were uh, kind of coming from the other world on this one particular night. So the basic thought was the spirits and the creatures, if you looked like them, they would leave you alone and they wouldn't pick on you because they didn't think you were human. Kind of like in uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where they like... Yeah, they scare themselves zombie guts. Yeah, exactly. But also, in addition to protection, people would dress up and go door-to-door on behalf of the fairies and other otherworldly creatures and accept offerings on their behalf. So uh, sometimes there were religious prayers at, you know, by the people that would go door-to-door, chants, etc., all pagan, of course. 
Uh, sometimes the costumes included ashes from those sacred fires that I mentioned. Um, often it was considered good luck to welcome the costumed visitors who were called mummers. So there's a fun word for you. And sometimes, this, is, this goes into the trick part of things, sometimes, especially it's the youth, it's always the youth, would threaten mischief if they weren't welcomed. Daggone millennials. So it, it goes back to the 1500s. Youth, <laughs> youth were still being youth. And All Hallowtide had similar customs, so the Catholics had very similar things to Samhain. But also some differences, because whereas Samhain was kind of a joyful time, a transitional time, a time to remember those who had gone before, a time to of cleansing and purification, All Hallowtide was sort of sad. Uh, the Catholic Church would sell hot cross buns. You've heard of hot cross buns? Yeah. They're hot cross buns are basically they're just buns and they would have a cross on them and the ones with the cross on them would signify alms. So people, especially children, poor children that were living on the street and could not afford anything would go door to door and beg during all hallow time. Wow. So all these traditions kind of they're come together. Yeah, there are some very. We're, we'll talk about the crossover in just well, a minute. Well, you know, on Saturday morning, I do like a croissant. Agreed. Uh, some churches, so actually, it was so they would pass out hot cross buns, not candy, but they would give the the hot buns to the poor children. Did the kids have to say trick or treat? Uh, no, I. You know what? I actually imagine in my head, like I picture the Oliver Twist movie where they're like, "Please, sir, may I have another." That's what I picture of the kids, and they're all like dirty and emaciated. Okay, so it, it's coming up close to beggars' night, and my mind is just on trick or treat because, yeah. oh, the kids are too big, and there's no one where we live comes around where we no. are. So we but always where I work, they have kids, and really? they all yeah yeah they yeah. go they go to the college and go trick or treating. No, the the people I work with have kids, oh. and so they send their kids out like good parents, and like on beggars' night. And then for like a week after Halloween, they raid the kids' bags, and there's plenty of candy around the office. Just to get you to, through till Easter. Yeah. Yep. So the Catholics also dressed up, but some churches were too poor to display their relics during the All Hallowtide Holy Season. So the parishioners would dress up like saints. So also dressing up, but a little bit different methodology. Hmm. Um, so very religious overtones to both Samhain and the Catholic practices. Now, when you say overtones, it, well, not even overtones, it, religious practices. I mean, it was all Hallowtide is very religious and Samhain was very religious. So you have pagan religion and Christian religion, and they both celebrate at the very same time of year. They both. So this is what makes me think that they're. I mean, our listeners know that we are a Christian family, but this is what, and, and that Steve doesn't always buy into the paranormal stuff, and I totally do. This is what makes me think that even though there are, they are existing in different places in the world at different time periods, both faiths have this belief that at this time of year, the veil between the, the world that we see and the world that we don't is thinnest. The way you're waving your arms around, you're going to knock your drink over here. I'm not going to. I'm watching. I'm, okay. I'm good. So it, it's really interesting to me. 
But what's also interesting is there seems to be a little bit of, I don't know, disagreement, discrepancy in the Catholic tradition because on All Souls, so on Halloween, on October 31st, the Catholics welcomed home the, the people from All Souls Day, All Saints Day, um, welcomed the dead back into their homes, but also the Catholics believed, and I don't know if contemporary Catholics, if you are listening, please write in, let us know if this is still, we are not Catholic, so we don't, we don't know the current tradition, but traditionally the Catholics believe that once a year on Halloween, uh, the dead would raise for one hideous carnival known as the Dons Macabre and so not only would they welcome the dead relatives back into their home, but there was also this hideous, awful, like evil, undead carnival in the cemetery. Different than carnival, like with Mardi Gras. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, but so there was this big undead party. And I, so I don't know if the undead party was for the souls that were not Catholic every that didn't party, get to go home. Every party or, I've been to has been for the undead. Right? Yes. Okay. The the dead and no longer dead. Is that better? I the guess, no yeah. longer dead. We'll put it that way. So I don't know if the, the no longer dead that were partying in the churchyard were not Catholic and they weren't allowed to go home and they just kind of rose and were stayed in the churchyard, I don't know, but... So, does this... I wonder if this ties into purgatory. I don't know. We need... We need a Catholic listener to, to call in and help explain this. Not we, call in, we have, but to write in. We have a friend who is a staunch Catholic locally who maybe we can get to come in and do an episode on Catholicism. That would be interesting. I bet he would love to do that. So, anyway... Uh, so, but also this dance macabre reminded parishioners that all earthly things come to an end. Um, so you, you need to do the things that you need to do to get into heaven, but you also remember that it don't, don't get too wrapped up in this life and don't indulge in the sins of the flesh because there's an afterlife too. Now, some similarities, obviously, between Samhain and All Hallows, All, All Hallows Tide, is that what it's called? All, Hall, All Hallow Tide. Some similarities, obviously, the similarities of welcoming the dead home. They also use something called soul lights. Both of them did. And that's where we get our jack-o'-lanterns from. They were... Um, I may have a little bit diff- different take on that, but go ahead. So that's I got a kinda, whole story on a jack o' lantern. That's kind of where we get our jack o' lanterns from. Although back in the old country, they didn't use pumpkins. Do you know what they used to carve faces in and put lights in? Turnips. Turnips. And if you have never seen a turnip jack o' lantern, stop the show or just pause, pause. whatever. Hit pause. Get on your computer or on your mobile device and Google turnip jack o' lantern. They are hideous like they're terrifying looking so i i think that we should bring that back the reason why they are uh, am i i might be stepping on your toes a little i know i don't okay. i don't have the patience to carve a turnip the reason why we use uh pumpkins instead of turnips now is because pumpkins are a north american thing they they're didn't easier have to carve 
Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, they it's easier to put a candle in one. They didn't have pumpkins back in the old world, interestingly enough. I didn't know that. So uh, that's the ancient history of Halloween. Uh, Steve and I have some conflicting stuff on more modern stuff. The Puritans, I have that when the Puritans came over from the old world to the new, the Puritans were the ones that are responsible for making the, the holiday bad because they didn't, like the real hardcore Puritans didn't believe in celebrating religious holidays. So including Christmas. So they they didn't think Halloween and Christmas were any different from one another. I mean, obviously the holiday itself and what it symbolizes and, and stuff is different. But what? they didn't celebrate Christmas. They didn't celebrate Halloween. They didn't celebrate any of that stuff. There was no dancing, no revelry, none of that. Well, you know, as, as I we briefly discussed what we were going to talk about on the show, when we said that, I kind of looked over my notes and maybe... It, it's not so much the Puritans, but as people got over here, they started, other colonists started celebrating. Maybe not so much the yeah, Puritans. Yeah, so the okay. Puritanists were the ones that were, the Puritans were the ones that were, that made Halloween the evil that it is today. Because both, I mean, you'll hear people even now, modern Christians say that Halloween is a pagan holiday. And that's, it, it is sort of it is a pagan holiday but it's also a christian holiday because the catholics celebrated all hallowtide yeah i mean if with the internet spreading and people can post whatever i mean uh, we we've also heard that christmas is was a pagan holiday too yeah yeah, I yeah mean, there's so, all kinds I mean, of yeah you don't know what I to mean, you, you can't read into things too much because you can make up you, you can take any topic you want to, and you can turn it evil, or you can turn it pure. It's right. just, you know, go with the spirit of what it's supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. And we might talk about this when it comes up for Christmas, because Christmas tree is a pagan thing. But, but we're not talking about Christmas, we're talking about Halloween. All right. Go. Oh, it's my it's turn. You. Okay, so trick-or-treat night. As kids, we waited for this all year Long. So I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you right off the bat. Go ahead. I, what did you call it growing up? Trick or treat. You called it trick or treat? Yeah. I was looking over and I, it just came to mind when you said trick or treat night. I, there's a regional thing. Like some regions call it beggar's night. Some regions call it trick or treat. Some night, some just call it Halloween. There, like there's different names for it depending on what part of the country you're in. Well, in oh, Grove always, City, Ohio, we called it. Trick or treat. So, yeah, we called it trick or treat. Too. I mean, we knew it was beggars' night. Nobody ever. I don't remember ever calling it beggars' night, but I think Pamela calls it beggars' night, which is interesting. I don't Steve's know. Steve's daughter, who has lived really all over the world, but yeah, the later part of her life here. Hey, look, we would plan this out. We would start a week or two before trick or treat, beggars' night, whatever we want to call it. We would strategically plan out where we were going to go because we knew that if you went to the apartments, you could hit more doors per hour than if you went out to the homes which were like spread out and you had to walk along. Did just... people in apartments have candy though? Yeah, they had candy. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, of course they did. If they didn't, you know what was going to happen to them? Uh, no, I'm <laughs> sure, yeah. They were going to get soaped. 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 Okay. But, you know, but we, we would plan for this and we would wait. And then it, it hardly ever fell on Saturday night so now you're at school waiting and waiting and waiting. You got to get the biggest, 
you know, pillowcases work really well. Because if you took a bag, oh, yeah. if you loaded too much stuff, then the bag would break. But if you took a pillowcase, you could cram a lot of candy in there. You remember when McDonald's used to give those little plastic pumpkin things to put your yeah. candy in? Like, anybody's going to take those, except maybe, like, the two-year-olds, because those things don't hold anything. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that, that's when you just go over to Grandma's house, and Grandma gives you a big Snickers bar or something like that. But anyway. Hush, our grandkids may be listening. I don't have that much candy. I hope not. Okay. But, we, like I said, we would plan this. So, Halloween is traditionally, here in the United States, is celebrated on the 31st of October. And as you said, the American colonists are responsible for initially bringing Halloween to the United States. But, and this is where things start to take on the American traditions. The American colonies were influenced by a variety of culture, cultures, which you said. I mean, the, Hallidur, the traditions began to change. So within the New World, all, Hallow Eves, all Hallow's Eve became a time for parties, which were pri- where people would throw private parties that were generally brought about to help celebrate the harvest. Okay. Yeah. And just as you were mentioning your, on your, your segment of this, people would dress in costumes, read each other's fortunes, and tell scary stories. So, I mean, it's kind of starting, I don't want to say dark, because I don't think that's the right word, but it, the creepy, the, yeah. the, 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 the spooky stuff that's out there. <laughs> yeah, that part, that part so, of things. All right. But in the mid-1800s, eight, mid we started getting Irish immigrants to the United States. Uh, hello there in Ireland. Yeah, so yeah. they started bringing over Samhain traditions. Yeah, and they, exactly, they brought their Halloween traditions with them, which included dressing up in costumes and here we go, asking neighbors for food and money and pulling pranks on Those the evening of Halloween. Irish youths, it's all yep. their fault. Yep. So Americans then kind of started doing the same thing, which eventually turned into our tradition of trick-or-treating. Go trick-or-treat, all sorts of candy, it's all free. Do you, do you have a, a favorite costume that you ever wore? I remember as a kid, my mom and my brother, my mom made a, um, like a dog, a dog suit for me. And she, we could do an entire segment of my mom with what she, her life <laughs> and what really she did. Good. But she made, you know, handmade a, uh, a dog suit for me, complete with little spots sewn on it and Aww. stuff like that. And my brother. I you were so cute. Were you like five, six? Yeah. And there's a picture of it somewhere. I've Aww. seen it. And uh, my brother dressed up as a hunter, and we went we went around trick. You know, he had to take me trick or treating because I was a lot younger than him. Aww, and we went around. We started trick or treating. But so cute. that's probably the costume that really stands. Scored all your candy. I was probably four years old at the Scored time. Scored all Terry's candy. Yeah, geez, <laughs> you got all Terry's candy. But um, yeah, but it wasn't recently that the treats became. A little bit more common. It used to be more tricks and pranks and stuff like that. So in the twenties, for example, that's when the rowdy pranks started becoming. But then those rowdy pranks started becoming expensive and costly, especially around our major cities. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe the, the kids out in the country had other things to do, but the kids in the city, you know, maybe they're, they're, maybe they're just more kids, and the more kids you get together, yeah, the more problems. thoughts and the more ideas come together and all that stuff. But over time. Cities and towns begin organizing the family-oriented Halloween celebrations. And this, that kind of eventually uh, helped control all the pranks that were going around. And candy companies, 
begin releasing special Halloween candies in our modern, and that's when our modern idea of trick or treating was born. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Noka, Minnesota, was the first. They they call it the Halloween capital of the of the world. I think actually, it's a little tiny town in Minnesota that they were the first ones in 1920 to have a Halloween celebration just for that reason to get kids off the streets. And it's huge now. I think there's only like 1,400 people in the town or something like that, and it more than triples its size every Halloween. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Uh, you were just saying you'd like to go up there and, and do I would love to go next year for their 100th anniversary. So, I mean, so that's the, the, the tradition of going out, and that, that's how going out and getting candy, you know, getting yeah. candy and stuff like that. I like but it. But there are a lot of the, the trick part of it. Now, oh. no one has to admit what they've done. And we're not condoning any of these things kids, that Steve is about to talk about. Kids, don't do this. It's not safe, and it's not right. right. Okay? Wink, wink. So don't go out and throw... Have you ever heard of corning cars? No. Okay, so that's like where you like stand where some people stand. I've never done this. Stand like on a bridge, or you hide beside the road, and as cars go drive by, you throw corn at it. Oh, my... Like cops? No, not cobs, just the corn. Oh, I was gonna say that's gonna that could like oh, it, put it, a window out. Yeah, you just throw, they would just oh, throw like corn. kernels of yeah, corn. kernels of corn. Oh, so I'm thinking like hard. whole cobs. So you know, like it make all that weird sound and stuff like that. Ooh, yeah, don't yeah. do that. That's yeah. really that actually that sounds dangerous. Tipping cows. Also, I've heard that that is a myth that you can't actually tip cows, but I because I, I have can. tried to have you tried to go no, I have tried to look this up on uh, YouTube. Okay, and I cannot find one video of a cow getting tipped. I don't think now, that's a real thing that actually happens. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds logical. If you've it ever sounds believable, but if it you may have be... ever tipped a cow, let us know. I promise we won't use your okay. name. Yeah. Yeah, we we we're, we're not narks. <laughs> we, snitches get stitches. <laughs> we're not going to tell on you. But I know, you know, it's one of those urban legends. I think, I don't know. Maybe there are people out there that will swear they did, or they had a friend who did. Yeah, I my don't know. friend, we'll, my we'll best friend's out. cousin's boyfriend's dad. Soaping windows. I don't understand that. Okay, so you carry a bar of soap with you in your pocket, in your costume, hidden. So if you go up to the house, and you know. Some people don't hand out candy. Like and so us, you, you we don't sit hand there, out candy. You, you take all the time and trouble to go up to their door and knock on the door, and you're going to be very polite and say, trick or treat, and then when they give you candy, you're going to say, thank you, and they don't even answer the door. You know what's going to happen to them? You put soap on their windows, but you what take, is you take for? You take your little bar of ivory soap or whatever, and you write, or you don't write, you just scratch soap on their, uh, on their window, which... Doesn't really do anything, but it makes them, they have to come out and clean it, which is oh, easy to clean up, yeah, but it's not fine. dangerous. Oh, okay. But it just lets them know, hey, next year, get some candy. Don't yeah, be so don't, tight. Get some candy. We don't pass out candy, but we've lived here for, what, five years now, and we have had not a single trick-or-treater, because yeah, well, we live on a main road with no sidewalk. Yeah, we kind of, I don't want to say we live out in the country, but it's... If you come to our house for trick-or-treat, you're not going to get candy, but if you come to our house for trick-or-treat, like, I'll find something to give you. It might be, like, a dollar or something, but I'll we, find something for we you. We do have a ring video doorbell, so if you soap the windows... Yeah, we'll know who you we'll are. We'll know who you are, okay? But I'll give you... Don't soap the windows. I'll find something in the house yeah, to we, give you. Yeah, you, you come I'll on in. I'll give you, like, a plant or something. Yeah, you come on in. We'll, we'll, we'll find we'll something. We'll give you something, okay. So, but look, there, there are a lot of really fun traditions that go with... The fall. I mean, we both like fall as a, a, fall. a good time of the year. And so 
where, where I grew up in Grove City, Ohio, it was great. The city would put on this event out a little place called Windsor Park. Now, that's where we played baseball in the summer and all that. Well, we should probably tell people that you had that idyllic childhood, too. Like, you, ha- you, lived, you lived in a cul-de-sac. Yep. And there were boys your age all around you. So you had that, like, leave it to beaver kind of childhood where you would go out and play kick the can in the middle of the streets till the street light came on, and you were just... No, we stayed out. We didn't kick the can, but we would stay out, and we would play till long after that street light And I mean, it was just on. one of those yeah. very idyllic childhoods where you yeah. could just run and have fun and play and be a kid. You got a friend who, um, he's worked for radio pretty much his entire life. And right now, he lives out in Reno, Nevada. I'll just give his first name, Doug. And uh, Doug writes pretty extensively and talks very frequently about the, the childhood we had growing up on uh, in Grove City, Ohio. It really was a very yeah. unique childhood. Yeah, it was. I, I, I feel very, very fortunate to have grown up like that. But Grove City was just... It, it was a great little town to grow up in. So they had this park called Windsor Park and like I said that's where we would go play baseball you know the little league t-ball and all that stuff Babe Ruth league and just that's like a, it was the swimming pools were out there mm. and all that stuff and that so it was it was like a community area okay obviously I mean it was the park yeah and so in the fall right before Halloween the city would go out there and they would have like a big weenie roast I don't remember <laughs> the exact name of it but they would light these Pyres of fire, not really tall, but they would be like maybe. I, think I remember you telling me about yeah, this. Like they would long, be like, like a mile long. No, not a mile, but they'd be like four feet wide and maybe 50, 100 feet long. And you guys and there'd used be, to jump and there'd over be rows them. of them. And they would light it up and it'd be like charcoals and, yeah. you know, fire and stuff like that. And as kids, we would go run and like jump over these. Okay. Kids, don't do that now. Don't, don't jump that over is fire. dangerous, and you shouldn't do it. Did you, you ever try to walk on the coals? No, I never tried to walk on the coals. We okay. would just jump over that. We would do, and again, that is very dangerous. Don't do that. Don't play in fire. So if your parents don't play in fire, if your parents make a bonfire, don't, don't play in it. Don't play in the fire. Sit yeah. back at a safe distance and just watch the fire. Okay, <laughs> but they would have these long pyres of uh, coals, and, like, the whole town would come out. Mm. And I think, I, I think, and I can't recall, so don't quote me on this specifically, but I think the city provided, like, cider and oh, cool. and hot dogs and buns and stuff like that. Marshmallows? I, Do you guys I, do I, s'mores? I don't recall s'mores. I don't ever even remember eating a s'more as a kid. Is that kind of a recent thing? or S'mores? Yeah. Uh, so... <sighs> One of the a, things a quick that Google I have search. Seen, yeah, a quick Google search will tell you that s'mores were found originally. One of the earliest published recipes for a s'more is found in the book of recipes published by the Campfire Marshmallows Company in the 1920s, where it was called a graham cracker sandwich. But that says that it was already popular with Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. So I just I just don't remember eating s'mores as a kid. And in 1927, the Girl Scouts actually published the recipe for some more, like the two words "some more" that eventually became s'more. Well, it's like I want some more of those. Yeah, so I want some more of those good, tasty. So that term actually came, came about in 1927, thanks to the Girl Scouts. Okay, well, good. Don't they have like 
Don't the Girl Scouts smell like s'more cookies or something they like that? They do. But those are relative those are relatively new. Like they yeah. haven't always had the s'mores cookies. I think those are in the last couple of years. But okay, so back to Windsor Park. <laughs> I, I am easily sidetracked. I know you so are. we would do all that and we would get our bellies full and we'd have a good time and we would go back home and finish that off. But like, oh my gosh, trick or treat. What a concept. People give kids free candy. We would take it home, we would trade it. And it was like everyone had their favorites, and it just kind of worked out. I mean, Kim, what was your favorite trick or treat candy? Um, I don't know. I I have always had a soft spot. I'm not really a candy person. I am. I like dark chocolate. Yeah. But I so, mean, but as far as like candy bars and stuff, I've always had kind of a soft spot for Snickers and Kit Kats. I I can picture Adam, my nephew. Yeah. Who would? Uh, well, put trip. it put it this way: at uh, Easter. Adam was putting pieces of broccoli. He was helping. Uh, he, he was helping them stuff the the plastic Easter eggs with candy for their Easter baskets. And Adam was taking broccoli and putting it in the Easter eggs. So I can picture Adam swiping the candy. I can no. I can picture Adam like handing out carrots or broccoli or something like that for trick or treat. I don't know, Adam. If you're listening, don't do that. Don't do that, Adam. Don't be that be guy. Ni- be, yeah, be nice to the kids. <laughs> but you know, one of my favorite candies was. The, the little peanut butter things, they were they either came wrapped in orange or Ugh. black. Oh, I love the those. The Honey Jane things or whatever No, 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 not Honey no, Jane. They don't even have, they came in like black or orange wax paper. Yeah, those are, those are my favorite. I would those trade you. Those are my you, least favorite. I like, would trade you Tootsie Rolls or a Tootsie Snickers bar for one of those things right there. I like Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls are gross okay. too. The, nobody, but, but what would you trade off? ever ate those. What would you trade off? For those? I'll just give no, them No, for you. anything. What would you trade? What oh, like what would I get rid of? Those yeah. things? Oh, well, we would have been good <laughs> trick-or-treating because I would have traded you about anything to get those. I love those things. I don't. I'm not a big fruit. Like, I do like gummies. But other than gummies, I'm not really a big fruit candy person. Like Skittles, not my thing. Do you remember anything? Yeah, I don't like Skittles all that much. But do you remember anything that nobody ate and it just kind of went in the pile? There those was- things that you liked? Like, oh. nobody in my little town of Kettering would eat those things. And circus peanuts, those things are gross. A lot of people don't like candy corn. And then, all of a sudden, Halloween became bad. Yeah. It yeah. became evil. It became bad. Uh, it was starting to get, I guess, I, I, I think I would have to say, a resurgence with the devil and extreme right Christian groups started... Was that- did that happen kind of like in the 80s when we had that mass hysteria over devil-worshipping cults? I don't know. I, I, I can't place a name on it. I, it's do you know what I'm gra- talking about? Like It's those, gradual. Yeah. It's gradual. Hey, do you know that Halloween is the favorite holiday of millennials, according to a Harris poll? Now, let me say, let me say something about millennials. People like to joke about millennials, and right now I think people are associating millennials with everyone born like from five years old up to yeah 30 years old okay no folks, i'm a millennial according to some things according to some things yeah but the point is <laughs> the point is the millennials a lot of things that the millennials are getting blamed for it's not even the millennials no. it's it's the generation after them that's generation actually, z yeah they're the it's, ones that it's, suck it's it's generation z so yeah, I mean, with what I do and some jobs I've had in the past, uh, generational studies are really interesting. Mm-hmm. And if you generalize things, they are really accurate. And you, they can help you predict and 
make decisions on what has to be done if you really study and get the good facts. But folks, right. quit, quit blaming everything on the millennials. Right? It's not all their fault. And Start as some people would say, Z, it's their fault. And as some people will say, if you're blaming the millennials, hey, it's your fault because <laughs> you, you raised, raised them. them. Okay. So th- there's my poll for my, my plug for millennials right there. Right. Okay. We were talking about pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns. Basically, I mean, how crazy is this? You carve a face on a gourd, you put a candle in it, and you set it out on your porch. Okay, that's pretty... Yeah, you want to talk about some of the things the pagans used to do. Like, come on. It's out there. But uh, carving jack-o'-lanterns, like we were talking about, was based in Ireland, and it began carving with turnips. And so, I mean, we've talked about that. But, I mean, that's where all this stuff is coming from overseas yeah. and, and coming in here. And it originated, uh, I mentioned soul lights. So basically the concept was to something to, obviously it was before electricity was around everywhere. And so they had to have, the people that were going door to door, house to house, had to have something to light their way. So they okay. would carve the turnips. So legend has it that a man named Stingy Jack trapped Stinky? the devil. Stingy? Stingy. Oh, st- like Stingy? Stingy. Yeah, Stingy. <laughs> stingy Jack trapped the devil, and he said he would only let him out if the devil promised Jack he would never go to hell. The devil agreed, but Jack failed to consider that not going to hell meant that he didn't go to heaven either. So Jack ended up in what is known as purgatory in some hmm. religious traditions. Okay, you know, it's there. there is so much going back and forth and cross-leveling here. Okay, that's an army term, cross-leveling. I would but, love to have a show where we, like a month of shows, where we just invited people from different religions to come on and talk about their faith. Yeah, that would be that really, be really, really interesting to do that. Um, so, so Jack ended up, what, what we were, I was just saying, was Sorry. in, no, it's fine, in <laughs> what is known as purgatory in some religious traditions. And he was condemned to roam the earth as a ghost for all, of, for all eternity. So there's my oh. ghost story. His old friend, the devil... Give to Jack a lump of burning coal, and Jack carried around it around and a uh, turnip to light his way. <laughs> poor Jack. <laughs> poor Jack, not Aww. Jack the dog. No, Jack okay. the dog is not poor. Some other things that are out there that are just kind of out there. I've never heard that story. Yeah. I like that one. Bats bring ghosts. Have you ever heard that? I have never heard that. Okay. Costumes, and you mentioned this. Costumes help people blend in with the spirits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, more Cross pollinization here. <laughs> What's going on? I know you've heard this. Witches transform into black cats. Um, I have, but actually, actually, it's not even necessarily that witches transform into black cats. If you want to talk about witchcraft, the theory is that witches have a what's called a familiar that is an animal that connects them with the spirit world, and most often their familiar is a black cat. So it's not the witch turns into a black cat, but their familiar is a black cat. Well, that's about as out on the limb as I'm going to get into the supernatural here. (laughs) It's just repeating that story, but that's a ghost story. It's like fun for the kids and stuff like that. So let's move on into what's happening or what's happened and how... Like not ghost stories, actual stuff that's happened? Not ghost stories, but stuff that's that's happened. And it's, it's giving Halloween a bad name, and it's kind of changing... A lot of how people are celebrating Devil's Night. So Devil's Night is a name associated with 30 October, the night before Halloween. Some people will call it Mischief Night, and it's practiced in different parts of the United States. And for years, it's been associated with vandalism, 
and especially in Detroit, Michigan, it's been associated with arson, uh, kind of like from the 1970s to the 1990s. So what would happen is Devil's Night actually goes back to as early as, say, back in the, the 40s. And traditionally, it's city use. And again, it's probably because it's th- th- there, there's a lot of kids, and, and so like they all get good ideas. I, I didn't mean to say good ideas. They got all these ideas. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but and that's they, interesting. they act on it, right? So it's Devil's Night is the 30th, and then yeah. All Saints Day is the 31st. So it's kind of like um, the same thing with Fat Tuesday and Lent. So like you right before the day before Lent is when you stuff your face and do all of this stuff right before you have to be holy. Same kind of idea on. I don't think so in this. No, but like the day before All Souls Day, before you recognize this, or All Saints Day, before you recognize the saints, then people are kind of hijacking the day before to do all of the mischief and the bad I things. I see your point. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I see what you're saying. So these city kids would get out there and they would do mischievous or petty criminal behavior. Usually it was minor pranks, mild vandalism, and stuff we were talking about, like Egging houses, soaping houses, waxing windows, TP, leaving rotten vegetables, or, or the old uh, bag the, of poop, the, the flaming bag of poop <laughs> <laughs> on the front porch, ring the doorbell. Kids, don't do that now no. because people, if there's cameras. If somebody puts a flaming bag of poop on my porch, you're in so much we trouble. Would, we would know who did it. So don't do that anymore. And it's like, I remember when. Uh, Answering machines first became popular. That's another story. But I caught a kid who called, left a really bad message on the house, and and they started with the uh, you you could see the telephone number. Oh, and yeah. And so I called the number up, and I called the dad. I just happened to be living in in uh, Washington D.C. at the time, and the father said, "Oh, how did you know it was my kid?" I said, "Sir, I can play the message." He goes, "Yeah, go ahead." And so I played the message. And he said, sir, he goes, I am sorry, this will never happen again. <laughs> Johnny! <laughs> and then he hung up. I don't know what happened to Johnny. Nothing good. Technology is out there. Their big brother is watching. And so are we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah with the ring doorbell. <laughs> okay. So, in the 70s, the vandalism became, it, it, it escalated. and it, it turned into arson. It became much, much more destructive. Um especially in Detroit's inner-city neighborhoods, which included hundreds of acts of arson and vandalism each year. It peaked in the 1980s with more than 800 fires set in 1984. And 500 to 800 fires in the three or four days uh, prior to Halloween, in which is a lot more that would typically happen in, in a year. Wow. And especially after a really, really bad night in 1994, the uh, the then mayor of Detroit, a guy named Dennis Archer, promised the city residents that the that arson would not be tolerated. So in 1995, Detroit city officials organized and created a thing called Angels Night, and this is where they had a group of volunteers. Actually, they had about 50,000 volunteers that Whoa. went out and gathered, and they patrolled the city and patrolled uh, Detroit, hmm. and it worked. It the hmm. The, the cases of arson and vandalism went down considerably to where now it's really not much of a thing. But it's... Thanks, volunteers. Yeah, yeah thanks, volunteers. People out doing good things like, right. like you ought to be doing. Cool. But um, it, it made it into pop culture. Um, 
1989, a ska band called the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones Ooh. released an album, The Devil's Night Out. In 1993, underground Detroit rapper Esham, 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 I don't know, I don't listen released to that. a song called Devil's Night. It was about arson and mayhem in the city. And there's a whole list of other popular how Devil's Night and this worked its way into popular culture. Huh. Uh, even um, on the sixth season of Criminal Minds, the sixth episode of the sixth season is about Devil's Night and, and this stuff happening. Okay, so here's a good one now. We're going mo- to move into this one. Okay. Poisoned or tampered with uh. candy. Okay, folks, I'm going to sit here and tell you right now, the poison candy myths are urban legends. There are no cases, known cases of strangers, I'm saying strangers here, killing or permanently injuring children. This has been proven. It's been debunked. It just didn't happen. It's urban legend. Now, there's a lot of reasons. It always makes me laugh. Too. Like, I always see the memes on Facebook and stuff about drugs in your kid's candy and how drugs, people aren't going to do that because drugs are expensive and they're not going to put them in kid candy. Yeah, well... Medical investigations into actual causes where children have died, like at Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Have shown that uh, these children did not die from eating candy. So there were other medical reasons. Oh, okay. It's kind of like the people who say, I will never get it. I, I got a flu shot once and I got the worst flu I ever had. It's coincidence, folks. Right. It's, or it's or I wonder if it's too. Um, some of them might be like kids that had an allergic reaction to something and they didn't realize. Yeah. In rare cases, there have been adult family members who have spread the story, who have said this, in an effort to cover up murder or accidental deaths. Ooh. So, yeah, yes, there are children who have died, but it's not from strangers and doing stuff like this. So it's so kids don't trust your parents? Didn't we say that? No. Last no, we, we said parents, parents don't, don't trust, trust your kids. Yeah. Don't, nobody trusts anybody. Yeah. So worries that candy from strangers might be poison has led to a rise of alternative events to trick or treating, and I I think most people call this trunk or treat. Trunk or treat, okay. yeah. yeah. Which so, I, okay, I have a thing about trunk or treat. Trunk or treat is supposed to be safer because basically the concept is you go to a parking lot instead of going door to door. You go to a parking lot and you decorate the trunk of your car. And sometimes they'll give out um, like whoever's hosting the event will give out prizes for the best decorated trunk. But it's safer in that you're not like kids are not literally walking down the street, but you're still getting candy from strangers. So I don't see how that's well, any safer. Okay, nothing's ever 100%. Yeah. But in those type of events, okay, so it does, I guess, keep the kids off the street in the dark and the costumes and stuff yeah. like that. But a lot of the trunk and treat events are actually are, are held like at churches, right. at police stations and fire stations, community centers, and retail stores. So generally where there should be trusted people, trusted adults to do this. Yeah, we did it one year uh, when I was a director for a daycare center. We did yeah. it at the... Eventually center. the claims that children were being sickened by candy were put down to, you know, really what... When, when kids were getting sick and parents were rushing to the hospital because all the hype on the news and everything, you know, the kid gets sick. You know what really it came down to? The kid ate a lot of candy and oh had indigestion gosh. due to overeating the candy. So that's where a lot of these stories came from. Sugar rush. But you, you know how people are. It's like, oh, my kid got sick. It had to be from poison candy. No, it's just a kid <laughs> ate like, <laughs> like the like entire pillowcase a, a 45 Snickers bars that night, and he's not feeling good, and he's probably going to puke, and he'll be okay in the morning. <laughs> lesson being, okay, so he, he, here's the lesson of all this. 
eat your kids' candy to protect them. I Take their candy agree. away from them and keep it. Don't let them get sick. That's a great lesson. Do the right thing. Okay. Now, remember one of our other shows we talked about, Conspiracy Theories? Okay. Yeah. So, safe trick-or-treating. It's being done at malls. And also, the candy people started like individually wrapping candy so they were more tamper-proof. Hmm. I think this could be a conspiracy theory so that the malls, just think about it. Safe candy at the mall. Bring your kid to the mall. What else are you going to do if you're at the mall? Buy stuff. You're going to shop. You're going to go up. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's a conspiracy theory that we need to look into, hmm. that it's it's Big Sugar and Big, Big Mall who is promoting this idea to just to, just to make money uh, off America's children and trick-or-treating I and bet Halloween. You're, right. you're probably right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a conspiracy. I know it. Big Sugar. All right. Okay. I mean... Myself, I have seen back in the day where, and it was on the news, like after your kid goes trick-or-treating, bring your candy down. If you take it to the local children's hospital, you know, they will run it through the x-ray machine. They had portable x-ray machines. They'll run it through the x-ray machine to make sure that there are no razor blades and there's no pins or needles in your kid's candy. That seems a little excessive. Okay, so... No cases that I know of or that if I have looked through the internet (laughs) (laughs) So so you've done thorough research. That substantiates any of this. Now, there will be urban legends where people say, oh, yeah, it happened in my town. Show me an article that it really happened. Did it happen to you? Did it happen to you? Unless it's happened to you, I don't believe it. Yeah, and so I'm not saying it... Possibly didn't happen, but I'm just saying I've spent some time here researching this because I don't want to put it out there if it's not true. Yeah. But I can't find any evidence that this actually happened, which just goes into look how it, it, it's it's not media literacy, right? No, but do your research and educate yourself. Do your research and educate yourself that it's it's just not happening. But look how the media can put this out there how it can be spread. And I guarantee you we're going to start seeing things on uh, social media of mm-hmm. how uh, parents protect your children, do this, don't do that, don't let them go trick-or-treating, all this stuff that's out there. Like, parents, be safe. Let your kids go trick-or-treating. Don't take your kids' childhood from them. Let them have all the fun that you did when you were a kid. Yeah, okay. And if you don't want them dressing up like Little devils and little demons. Let them dress up like princesses as a, as a puppy dog, and yeah, let their older fine. brother take them out. Yeah, let their little brother be a hunter, or yeah. big brother be a hunter. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, bottom line, there are people who will say that there are ties to this because it's anti-Christian. It's there not. are people who'll say that it's evil. It's not. It's not. It's kids just having fun, right out there. Okay. Yep. Little soap on your windows, and I'm not promoting this, is not going to hurt anybody. If the kid comes up and your knocks on your door, clean anyway. and it probably needs clean anyway. So if the kid comes up and says, trick or treat, be a good, be a good sport, give him a bag of M&Ms, give him a Snickers bar, give, don't give him a penny. If you're really that person who is very religious and thinks that it's evil or whatever, give them a tract with their piece of candy. Right. Tell them about Jesus with their piece of candy. Do something. But look. But give the kid some candy. Kind yeah, of a break. Okay. All right. Don't don't take all the fun. I wish I could somehow do a sad face. Okay, Kim. That pretty much wraps up our story on That's Halloween. It. So we have 
Thanks for uh, tuning in for Spooky October. And thank yep. you, Steve, for indulging me in yep. my love of all things spooky this month. Yep. And over the next couple of weeks, we have a lot of uh, topics. We've been uh, kind of researching right now, getting ready, preparing to see which ones would be what we think is are going to be the most interesting. But we have several weeks actually leading into months of topics that we're going to dive into. And we hope that you, the listeners, will find them interesting and look, we've got the capability. If you've really got something you want to say, and it's about a topic that we've already talked about, we're even throwing out there that like maybe once a quarter, once a month, throwing it out there. If we have enough people that want to call in, we can, we can organize that and let you talk on the podcast right here and tell your story and say something. And again, We'd love to have that. We can if disguise it's your voice. And if it's something you really don't want the world to know, we promise to keep you a secret, and I can disguise your voice. Yep out there so all right so um find us on facebook and instagram send us emails at a lost hour at gmail.com if you really want to help us out to help us play this game that we're doing is it playing a game kim for you it is for me it is it's fun if you want to help me continue to have fun <laughs> uh help us out like us like us share us share us Follow uh, us. Follow us. That's a big one. Follow That's a big us. one. Follow us. and uh, Especially on Stitcher. Um, if you're not listening on Stitcher, follow us on Stitcher. We could really use some, some boosts. Yeah, where, wherever you're listening, it doesn't matter because we, we track most of our stats on Podbean, which is our host platform right here. And um, it's, it's really interesting. It's fun to look at. The, so Stitcher, you can go to the statistics and you can see how many people in which state. You can see across the world. There's a map of the world. And you can see where people are listening to you from. And right now, I say, like, six countries. So it's, it's just We're slowly fun. taking over the world. What would absolutely make my night if I got an email at a lost-hour at gmail.com from somebody in Spain? Okay, I don't oh, speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. So if but you're going to do it. our son-in-law does. Yeah. And Kim, you speak Spanish. I speak some. And so a little bit of French. We can so, figure it out. Yeah. So if uh, you are listening from overseas, send us, an email. send us an email and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. And, you we'll know, make and, you famous. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make you famous. <laughs> but again, help us out. Spread the word. Share. Like us. Follow us. And do all that good stuff. All and right. just make my day over all this stuff. So all Kim. Right. Kim. Oh, you're not going to say the thing about our beautiful studio? Oh, I was going to wait for you to say your thing first. Okay. So, from our beautiful <laughs> studios in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Thank you for spending an hour of your life with us.